Welcome to Nika in the Know, a podcast for healthcare providers in the HIV field. I'm Mariana Braitman. Today, we're sitting down with Dr. Natalie New, the medical director of the NYC STD Prevention Training Center, to talk about some recent updates to SDI treatment guidelines that the CDC released back in July. Welcome, Dr. New. Thanks for having me, Mariana. So before we dive into these new guidelines, can you tell listeners a little bit about yourself and your professional background, just for those who may not know you? Sure. I'm a professor of pediatrics, but um, I focus on adolescent and adolescent health for the last 25 years um, at Columbia University Medical Center. I'm also the medical director for the New York City um, STD Prevention and Training Center, um, where we do a lot of education around STIs and um, STI treatment. And um, I've been here for the last 20 years, do a lot of lecturing on this and some uh, research as well around STIs and HIV. Thank you so much again for agreeing to come on and talk to us. So first things first, how are these guidelines from the CDC developed and decided upon? Sure. Um, This was actually a really exciting um, process. It was my first time actually um, participating in it as a content expert in 2019. So it's taken a while for them to come out. Um, What the CDC does is they get together um, a bunch of folks in the STD division and they think about questions that um, need updating in the STD guidelines, then they gather content experts all across the nation to answer specific questions and gather evidence looking at the literature to, and then we meet together um, and sort of hash out, present our points about what we think should be changed, what we think should be kept. Um, And then uh, they all go back and they decide how they're gonna change um, the guidelines. So in terms of these new, you know, updated guidelines, can you walk us through some of the major changes? Sure. So one of the biggest changes is the name. It's now the STI treatment guidelines for infection rather than disease because pathogens cause infections, which then leads to disease. So that was actually one of the biggest changes. Um, there's a lot of focus in the guidelines on screening, um, three site screening, which I know that we have tried to emphasize amongst a lot of our providers, but now the CDC finally has come aboard and and supported that. Um, And also focus on special populations. So pregnant women, MSM, those are the populations and adolescents, of course, where STIs are more prevalent. And then finally, there've been some uh, changes in terms of treatment. So in terms of the dosing for antimicrobials, the actual, what's the preferred dose, uh, preferred drug for certain infections, what are considered alternatives. And then um, a really big emphasis on prevention um, and prevention for HIV with PrEP and PEP. Um, and expedited partner therapy um, uh, for men who have sex with men. So a lot of exciting changes. Um, So I heard you mention a little bit about treatment and prevention. Can you talk a little bit about how those, the guidelines changed in terms of those two aspects? 
So in terms of treatment and prevention, I think the big emphasis in pre-exposure prophylaxis for HIV, really supporting providers on understanding why this is important, linking the STIs and HIV in a more cohesive way. You know, the two um, programs, STI um, and STD division and HIV have run sort of parallel. And so this is really emphasizing the merger of those um, two fields. Um, and then uh, vaccines for prevention. So HPV vaccine, hepatitis A vaccine, for example, um, and more emphasis on HIV testing, more regular testing, more STI testing. I mean, those of us who are in the field have been testing patients whenever they come in, you know, hi, you're here. Great. Get an STD test, you know, or STI test. Um, and so really making providers think about that more regularly, not just the annual testing, I think has been a huge um, emphasis. Are there any, you know, overarching themes that you could tell providers about that are important for them to know in terms of these updated guidelines? Yeah, I think, you know, the guidelines really try to emphasize uh, antimicrobial stewardship, which is really a national topic um, in, in terms of uh, resistance and resistance of organisms to antibiotics. So, for example, gonorrhea, we know over the last several years that the um, you need higher doses of antibiotics um, to treat gonorrhea because of resistance. So the dose to treat GC um, increased from 250 to 500, for example. And then they also... Um, looked at pharmacokinetics and pharmacodynamics. So, you know, how, depending on your weight and um, where your infection is, what dose of drug do you need to get there? Like, so in the oral pharynx, you need a higher dose, you need an injectable dose for gonorrhea. Um, for chlamydia, for example, you need, um, doxycycline has been shown to be actually a better drug to eradicate chlamydia and the rectum. So changing the guidelines to emphasize using doxycycline first rather than azithromycin, because, you know, azithromycin is sort of like water now, you can get it anywhere. So um, we're seeing a lot of increased resistance to azithromycin. So changing that recommendation for use of, of doxycycline rather than azithromycin for chlamydia infection has been um, very big. So I think they're really trying to use evidence-based uh, data to dri uh, drive the guidelines and, and show that in the guidelines so that providers understand the rationale behind the decisions that have been made. A question that always comes to mind when discussing, you know, major changes like these is how does this affect the population of people living with HIV? So, yeah, that's a, a good question. I think that um, in terms of screening, what's great about HIV care and that population is that they're used to coming in for, for screening and testing. It's not something that's new. So it's really aligning STI care with HIV care. So more frequent screening, in fact, every three months sometimes has been supported. So if you have an STI, you should come back within three months for screening. So 
it's more aligning the screening and prevention that has been part of the HIV care model for many, many years. In terms of treatment and, and doses, um, it's the same. There really hasn't been a lot of, of changes with regard to that. Great. Um, you know, this has been really informative. Is there anything else that listeners need to know about these new guidelines before we wrap up? I think that the guidelines are guidelines. You have to use your best judgment about what works for you and your patient. So in addition to thinking about antimicrobial resistance and what's the best drug to use and when's the best time to get people back, you have to have a shared decision-making model with your patient. So what works for them? You know, if they're not going to come back, then, you know, maybe you, or they're not going to take the medication twice daily, maybe you need to use the azithromycin. So the CDC has been more accepting of this shared decision-making model, which I think actually has been part of HIV care for a really long time. So people will follow your recommendations if you work with them about treatment and understanding what works for them. If you don't, it's not going to work and we're going to continue to see STIs. So I think that's super important. A lot, you know, just to reemphasize the, um, the testing, three-site testing, I think is super important. Self-testing where you have it approved and validated at your institution, making STI care easier um, and part of just regular general care is what the guidelines are trying to do and making providers more comfortable in that space. And if folks want to learn more about the guidelines and, you know, read about all the updates in detail, where can they go to find them? So there is a national center, the NNPTC, um, which is available online. Um, and there's also the STD consult line that's available. There's actually links on the CDC um, treatment guideline pages. So um, both you can get the highlights, you can learn more about specific infections. And then if you have a patient or a case where you're not really sure what to do, um, no matter where you're located in the country, there are several um, prevention and treatment centers around the US where you can enter in a question, of course, no specific patient data, but you know, how do I manage this person who keeps coming back? Or what do you think about um, the treatment for this person and their partner? How should I approach that? So we're available pretty much 24 seven, um, give us a little time to give you some data, um, but to answer those questions. Dr. New, thank you so much for joining us today and breaking down these updates to the CDC guidelines for SDI treatment and highlighting, most importantly, how these changes affect the HIV community. We really hope you learned something new today. To learn more about NICA AETC's work and our role in ending the HIV epidemic, visit us at www.nikaaetc.org. That's www.nikaaetc.org. If you have questions or comments about anything we covered today, or if you have suggestions for topics you'd like to hear us talk about, 
Don't hesitate to email us at podcast at nikaatc.org. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at nikaatc.org. Stay safe and we'll see you on Thursday for our next episode of Nika in the Know. This presentation is supported by the Health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA, of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS. The contents are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views of, nor an endorsement by HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government.